Before we get into today's episode, my wife Sadie and I have a brand new album out entitled Good to Me. As so many of our listeners know, I am completely blind. And in this season of blindness, these are the songs that strengthen and carry our faith. We want to share this new project with you, and if you like what you hear, visit our website, awakenedtograce.com. Click the link called Store, purchase some products, and it all goes to the spreading of the gospel. Here is a song from our album, Good to Me. along this journey I get lost in my mistakes what looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength my story isn't over my story's just begun failure won't define me cause that's what my father does yeah failure won't define me cause that's what my father does your shame at the door it ain't welcomed anymore you're in the father's house arrival's not the end game the journey's where you start You never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart And the story isn't over, if the story isn't good Cause failure's never final when the Father's in the room Yeah, failure's never final when the Father's in the room
I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to study the story of Cain and his brother Abel, and we're going to see why Cain was rejected by God while Abel was accepted. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to answer this question. What causes a person today to either be accepted by God or to be rejected. We're going to learn how we, like Cain, cannot come to God on our own terms. No, we must come to God on His terms. So we're going to talk today about what it means to be accepted by God. I'm so glad that you're joining me on this broadcast today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. Let's go to God's Word together. Where I want to enter into for this week is Genesis chapter 4. Before you read that with me, though, look at the last verse of chapter 3, verse 24. Note what it says. When God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, then God put a cherubim. Now, what's a cherubim? That is the highest ranking of angels. Next month, we're going to be all, the whole series is it's called Behold, a Study of Angels. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. Oh, I can't wait. I got to be careful or else I'm going to spill the beans right now. <sighs> Settle down, Roberts. Settle down. Get back on track. The whole month is on angels. Well, why did God put such a high ranking angel here at the Garden of Eden? What purpose? If you had asked me a month ago, my answer would have been, well, to keep Adam and Eve out. But that's, you don't need a cherubim to keep Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And Scripture says that they have a flaming sword going every which way. Why did he do this? Because, friends, what was in the midst of the garden? They partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus they brought sin into humanity. They brought the calamity of sin on the world. But what other tree is in the midst of the garden? The tree of life. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Amen. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. See, you and I have to understand, sin is not bad. Sin is literal, physical, spiritual death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Now notice chapter 3, verse 24. What does it say? The cherubim was placed to do what? To guard the entrance to the tree of life. Friends, this is how the Bible opens. Do you know how the Bible closes? Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, verses 1 and 2. Do you know what is in the midst 
of the city of God. You know what is in the midst of eternity that you and I who are born again, we will one day eat of, we will one day partake of the tree of life. And thus we shall have eternal life. Isn't that something? See, God understood. Had Adam and Eve partook of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, it would forever and for all of eternity condemned mankind in their sins. But see, you got a tree of life in the opening. you got a tree of life in the ending. And what is in the smack middle of the Bible? You have the tree of the cross of Calvary. Amen. So last week we saw how man tried to cover his own sin by sewing the fig leaves together. We said that that's man's good intentions. That's man's attempts to cover himself before God. And friends, only the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can make atonement for us. Now I want to enter chapter 4 and watch how Scripture builds upon itself. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his wife Eve. Now, does that need any commentary? Are we on the same page? Everybody know what that means? Okay, good. And she conceived and bore Cain. And what did she say? I've received a man from the help of the Lord. No doubt she thought that this was probably the promise made to her in the Garden of Eden about her seed. What she didn't understand is that there were thousands of years to come. (laughs) But she probably thought that was the fulfillment of what the Lord said. And let's just say this as we go forward. I touched on this last week, but I'm going to touch on it again today. Can can you... uh, Let's just note this because I don't think many people think about this. There is so much to this portion of Scripture that we just don't understand. I love to let my imagination go in these Scriptures because it's fun to think. You know, I think so often I love what Scripture says, but I also love what Scripture doesn't say to us. Things that I can't wait to find out when we get to heaven. Have you, uh, I'm sure you've heard people ask, where did Cain get his wife? Thought about that before? The scripture says later in this chapter that Cain is going to take a wife and he's going to build a city. For who? But friends, there's a population on the earth. Well, where did they come from? I really wrestled with the Lord on this. I thought, Lord, help me to understand. And I I wrestled and wrestled with my thoughts. And, you know, I thought, Lord, did you you create others that the Bible just doesn't tell us about? No, no, because that that would... No, we're talking about original sin here. No, it came from Adam and Eve. And I'll I'll never forget, you know, I'm wrestling with this. And I'll never forget the Lord just so, you know, kind of in a gentle way, bopping me up across the head and saying, Chad, you're thinking wrong. You're thinking like an American, like a Westerner in the 21st century. I remember the Lord saying, Chad, you really think Adam and Eve just had Cain and Abel and Seth and they were this little family, this little four-person family before Seth came along? No, you're thinking like your culture. Some of you got a ton of kids. I asked Sadie this morning. I said, if you and I, now now think about this. Their DNA was coming out of the state of perfection. Do you know how long Adam and Eve lived? 900 years. 
I asked Sadie, I said, if you and I had 900 years, how many kids do you think we would end up having? And I get woozy just thinking about it. Oh, Lord. And I remember the Lord saying, Chad, you're picturing a family like your little Western bubble. No. They had hundreds of years to procreate. The Bible only highlights Abel, Cain, and Seth. I, I, that's, that's one of my questions when I get to heaven. How many kids did they actually have? I think we would be shocked to know how many they had. And the earth is beginning to populate. One might say, oh, whoa, that's incest. No, you have to understand, their DNA coming out of a state of perfection. So, anyways, I think the important thing to remember is you and I cannot jump to our Western thinking conclusions when we read these scriptures. I think there's a lot more to the backstory that you and I really don't know and will not know because on this earth we see through a glass dimly, right? So, back to the text. Sorry, all that. <laughs> I'm going the long way today. Back to the text. Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived, bore Cain, and then Abel. Okay? Now, Scripture is going to give us a little bit of profile about them. Abel was a shepherd. He tended sheep. He kept flocks of sheep. Cain worked the fields. He was into agriculture. Now, when it comes to their sacrifice, the way that I grew up, I talked about it last week. I grew up in my little Sunday school classes, you know, panel walls and flannel graph board, right? We said that last week. I grew up with the flannel graphs, okay? Uh, no, I, I, I always believed that Abel offered the right sacrifice because that was his occupation. Cain offered the wrong sacrifice because that was his occupation. I don't think that's the case. There is a small phrase in this chapter that we cannot ignore. Note with me that why did God have regard or respect for Abel's offering? What does the Bible say that Abel did? It says that he offered of the first of his flocks. And there's a weird phrase right here. And offered the fat. Well, that doesn't fit. Why would we need to know that? Why would the Holy Spirit include this? Friends, you have to understand, Jesus said every jot and every tittle of God's word is going to stand for all eternity. That every jot and every tittle literally means every dotted I and every cross T. That's what we would say in our culture today. Every detail of God's word matters. So why would the Holy Spirit tell us that when it came to Cain's offering, he offered the fruit of the land. But when it came to Abel's offering, he did the first of his herd, but he offered the fat. Now say amen if you're with me right now. In the Garden of Eden, God gave judgment on Eve, on Adam, on the serpent. But what else did God curse? The ground. When Cain, in verse 3, brings his offering before God, which is the produce of the ground, friends, do you know what he is in essence? Do you know what he's doing? 
He's bringing God what has been cursed. Friends, this is a slap in the face before God Almighty. He's bringing an offering of what God has cursed. So what made Cain, what, what made Abel's offering different than his brother Cain? Now don't miss this. In the garden, when it came to Adam and Eve, they sowed fig leaves for themselves. But what did God require? A blood sacrifice. And thus, God did the first sacrifice on behalf of their sins, clothed them with animal skins. And why does it take blood? Why is that? Because what did we say? Sin is what? Death. And Leviticus tells us the life of the flesh is in the what? Blood. It takes blood to atone for death. Blood to atone for sin. Life to overcome death. So what made Cain rejected and Abel accepted? Abel did a blood sacrifice. He did an animal sacrifice. Now here's what I find the most fascinating of this entire text. He offered the fat with it. Now, follow me. you got to follow me for a second on this. Leviticus, all the law, the rituals, the ceremonies, the offerings, the sacrifices, all of that's going to come way later with Moses and Israel. I mean, we are, this is way before any of that were ever established. Now, Here we are with Cain and Abel. Let me tell you what Leviticus chapter 3 verse 16 says. Friends, do you know what the greatest commentary is on the Bible? The Bible itself. Leviticus chapter 3 verse 16 says, When it comes to sacrifices, the fat belongs to the Lord. So what does that tell us about Genesis chapter 3? It says that God had a protocol. That tells me that just like with Adam and Eve, God taught them how he is to be worshipped. God taught them how to make sacrifice. God had certain requirements for the provision of their sins. And when Cain went the opposite direction, when Cain brought, although it may have been his best, he went against God's requirement. He went against God's provisions. And Cain brought his own intention, his own self-righteousness, his own good works. He tried to bring that to the Lord and he was rejected. Abel offered according to the provisions God had given and thus his offering was accepted. And what do we find? Verses 6 and 7, God comes to Cain and says, What's going on? What's wrong with you? He says, this is very easy. God says, if you will do what is required, if you'll do it well, then you will be, and what's the word there? Accepted. Do you see? But yet Cain refused. And what was the word of warning that God gave that I want to give to us today? God warned him in verse 7, if he does not do 
what is right, what is required, then what does he say? The old King James says it like this, and sin lieth at the door. You know what that is in the Hebrew? It says it in the ESV. It literally says, and sin is crouching at the door. The word picture is of a lion or a tiger crouching in a pounced position. And do you know what God is telling Cain? See, many of us begin to sin voluntarily, but you know what happens with sin? It crouches and it pounces to where it becomes involuntary. Don't mess with sin. Don't allow it in your life. Don't keep it Listen, many of us have what we call pet sins. <laughs> you know what a pet sin is? You keep it around. You keep it around so you can play around with it from time to time. No. No. Cain represents someone, listen, someone who comes to God on their own terms. And that doesn't hold water with God. We cannot come to God on our own terms. That's why Abel was accepted and Cain was rejected. Now go to Romans chapter 12 with me. Just to wrap up with Cain, most of you know, he's going to go on. He's going to kill his brother Abel. God is going to judge him. God is going to tell him, you are in agriculture and you're a worker of the field. And what did God do? He cursed him and said, the field's no longer going to yield to you its strength. And God put a mark on him. Now, it's fascinating to read what scholars think that mark was. But let me give you the spark notes. Let me give you the cheat sheet. You ready? It doesn't matter because we don't know. And furthermore, it don't matter because it wouldn't have been wiped out with the flood. <laughs> People today try to figure out, well, is there a mark today that would, no, it wouldn't matter because the flood eliminated that. So, and then Cain goes on. He says, it says that Cain would become a exile. He would, he would become a, a nomad. And it says that he settled in the land east, in the land of Nod. Well, what's the land of Nod? You know, they didn't have Google Maps back then. So how, what's the land of Nod? Uh, scholars debate what that is. I, I personally think it, East is certainly geographical, but I don't think Nod is geographical. I think that is an idiom. I think uh, the word Nod in Hebrew means exile. I think it meant that he went East and he was a nomad. What's interesting is to question, did Cain ever repent? Could Cain have repented? It may be that Cain, that Cain is in heaven today. You know what's interesting? As you go forward past Cain, his descendants, his children, had the name of God in each of their names. You know what that suggests to us? That perhaps Cain repented. Only heaven will tell us that. Now, as we go to Romans chapter 12, here is my premise today. The point of Cain and Abel that we're going to extract today is this. You cannot come to God on your own terms. If you do, you will be rejected. 
So my question today is just as Cain and Abel were raised by the same parents in the same environment under the same standards, what caused one to be accepted and the other to be rejected? That's my question. And so it is today in our life, what causes someone to be accepted by God and what causes someone to be rejected by God? I think Romans 12 tells us. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.